The following podcast contains alcohol-enhanced conversations about alcohol, as well as a potential for discussions about other topics of dubious, disturbing, possibly offensive, but usually hilarious interest. The opinions stated herein are solely of the person stating them, and any endorsement of these opinions by any other party is not implied. Foul language is likely, but intolerant viewpoints are not. Listener intoxication is advised. Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of the Whiskey Tangent Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Ed. And uh, because this episode is coming out on July 4th, we thought we'd do a July 4th themed episode. And uh, Ed's going to tell you how that's going to work. <laughs> well, we, know we had uh, some decision making. Uh, we had decisions to make, I should say. And there's a whole line of whiskeys called 1776. They have a rye, they have a, a regular bourbon. And we strongly considered using them but we weren't sure which one to do and they're kentucky based but we thought you know if we're only going to do one bottle let's pick something that we've always wanted to try and and so we picked in honor of the declaration of independence mm -hmm. the writer being thomas jefferson we we chose the jefferson reserve the jefferson distillery owned by castle brands which is a company that i'd never heard of it's a little confusing because uh the castle brands is the owner correct and then there's uh because they don't distill the grains themselves right they source them from other places right. and then blend them into their uh, signature styles. Correct. So right. there's a lot of like different names that are floating around. Right. So about a this few company. of their products that you can see at the store is a Jefferson Small Batch, which is kind of like what they sell the most of. And, and I saw that in the store the other day. It was about $34. Right. Um, I've had that. That's uh, it's decent. They have a rye expression that's becoming more popular. Oh, I've had the rye as well. The that's one that we're going to talk about and enjoy today is the Jefferson Reserve, which is an interesting spirit in the sense that it's a blend of four different bourbons with at least 50% being a 15-year-aged bourbon is a 90.2 proof. It's very specific. Very, very expressive. 46.1%. That's uh, really... Point. Really, well, like, why exactly that decimal and point? What they do is Jefferson, they, they marry a selection of barrels of various ages. They claim it's velvety, textured body, and a dry, robust palate. I don't know. Is it velvety? Do you think it's velvety? I thought it screamed velvety. <laughs> But velvety was the first word that popped into my mind when I sipped it today. <laughs> I just took another sip and I, I, I taste less velvet. Velvety! Now that's <laughs> the laughter in the background. Our friend Jeff is hanging out with us tonight. Yes, you probably uh, previously heard him in our um, Game of Thrones uh, short. And uh, he is here with us again or... Mm, we, since we did it in the same night, he's still here. <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah. not going away. Yeah. We Happy can. Fourth of July. <laughs> Happy Fourth of July, yeah, everybody. Happy Fourth of July. Uh, yeah. So Thank Jefferson you. Reserve received a 94 from the Beverage Tasting Institute in 2012. Mm -hmm. The dark amber of this bourbon makes it look like woodpile wooder, whatever that is. What? But the sweet caramel a, taste has a very restrained oak flavor that's a backhanded compliment i, uh, I didn't think like they like wood them. pile water <laughs> that's what hey, is that hey you look like you look like wood pile water 
Hey, I've been in some parties that were like a woodpile, if you know what I mean. But <laughs> he used a couple of ladies, I'm just saying. It's like a, is that a euphemism for sausage fest? Exactly. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. <laughs> it's a woodpile in here. It's like a woodpile in here. Seriously. <laughs> I'm they're, using that next time. They're marketing people need to rethink their strategy, I think. I, I, wait, yeah, was that their marketing people? Or yeah. is that just the No, that was food critic Morgan Murphy. Oh, that was a food give, critic. Give credit to where it goes. I don't know why the food critic... They He's put, hating on it. I don't. They at least call it. a whiskey critic. I mean, one, you know, it's emerald coming up next. Bam! It's gonna throw <laughs> some garlic in. It. It's gonna be good. <laughs> some garlic whiskey in my air fryer. <laughs> Did he use an air fryer? Yeah, he he markets several air fryers. Oh, Scott doesn't have cable. He doesn't enjoy the infomercials on Saturday morning like I do, which That's comes a, on right after I get up too late to see dude, my sports channel. And I'm telling you, I do not miss those fucking infomercials. All right, real quick. You know what? Fuck Ron Popeil. All right? Can we just say oh, that right now? He's a can genius. Can we just say that no, right now? No, he's, no. He's a genius. No. I mean, you can hate him. Ron Popeil. He was annoying, but he's a genius. Makes a great Christian shift. Fuck you. Scott's not a big fisherman, everyone, so the pocket fisherman was lost <laughs> on him. <laughs> the pocket fisherman. What was the set it and forget it one? What was that one? Oh, that was the uh, rotisserie. Oh, the rotisserie. Yeah, oh, set god. it and forget it. Oh, my God. I want to punch that cunt right in the face. Damn. <laughs> Sure. to continue with the distillery or are we go into your stuff uh, no no that's right all right so jefferson <laughs> we go off on tangents that's what we do so you know what I, we'll come back to to the distillery and the history of this particular bourbon because i want scott to kind of lay the you know lay out the tapestry of of knowledge on why the founding fathers and whiskey are so intertwined to set the stage so to speak so, uh, as I did with the Irish whiskey, I wrote uh, basically a book report about <laughs> how whiskey got to America and its uh, relationship with the American Revolution. And I need to take my glasses off because they're stupid. Nobody right. can see that and no one needs to know it. Oh, that's true. They might have heard me slip them off my- Wow. My, my, you have- My chrome dome of a You head. have way more faith in how intently our listeners are listening than I do. I feel like in between the kids screaming or, the, or, the, or whatever, the clicking <laughs> yeah, of glasses, yeah, I hope. Yeah, they're on the train. They're listening to the car. You know, all sevens of our fans. <laughs> all right, so- I think we're up to 12s of fans. 12s. Oh, maybe. At this point. Uh, or, you know, otherwise known as dozens. Yeah. No, I mean like 12. Oh, literally 12. Yeah. Oh, And I then see. maybe one more. So that's he 12s. Like maybe <laughs> like counting us. Uh, okay. So like 14, like a baker's dozen. Yeah. Yeah. Plus oh, one. Baker dozen is 13. Now you're right. totally off base. You're confusing everybody, including me. You're supposed to be telling us about the history we are, of I, yeah, founding I fathers am. in whiskey. And you're so off. It, like, the tangent's supposed to be funny, not confusing. No, this is not a tangent. This is the actual knowledge. Is it? Because yeah. I feel like we're, we're on a tangent of nonsense. Yeah. It's, it's a whiskey nonsense tangent <laughs> podcast. Yeah. The, we should have called ourselves Whiskey Nonsense. It's <laughs> actually not yeah, a bad yeah, name, actually. It's not bad. We might franchise that for like a spinoff. Right. A spinoff. Um, so if you listen to our previous podcast about uh, the Irish whiskey, um, we talk about how it arose in the British Isles, but it didn't really catch on in America until the 18th century. And Ed, remind us again what the 18th century is. It's the 1700s, everybody. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Oh, that was nice. Mm -hmm. uh, so before the 18th century, in America, rum was king. And it was the end product that formed one of the sides of the three-sided trade route that was known as the Rum Triangle. So rum was sent from New England to Africa, where it was traded for slaves who were transported to the Caribbean to grow, farm, and turn the sugarcane into molasses. Then 
that molasses was sent to New England to distill into rum, which went back to Africa. So rum was cheap and everywhere in New England. Whiskey, on the other hand, rarely appeared on tavern price lists that were um, had that have been found and preserved from the time until after the Revolutionary War. As a side note, slavery as an institution was horrible, but to be a slave in the islands was considered the absolute worst bid you could get. It was because of the work that they had the to do. The work was uh, terrible. It was hot. Yeah. A lot of times they, they had to stand in water up to their knees all day long, mosquitoes and malaria. It was just a terrible existence. And, um, I just need to point that out while we're talking about this, that while all slavery was terrible, the, the fate of the slaves in the islands was particularly horrid. I, I agree, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I just felt we, I felt we just had to mention Yeah, sure. That. You have to mention Because we talk the about the triangle trade. I mean, the it's fact true. that, that one-third of that- One-third of it was slaves. Was, was people. Was, yeah. was, and, you know, we, it's tossed around there like an economic factor, you know? Yeah. And, 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 it, it, was and it was at the time, which is terrible. But the human factor of it, right. people have seen the diagrams and the drawings put of how the they were put on the ships. And it's Correctly. just, it's terrible. Have you ever seen Amistad? The, yeah. The Steel from Spielberg? Of course. That's just- that's so, history teacher, Scott's like, I have to watch Amistad. So that's true. Uh, who am I asking? Oh, I'd look like a dick if I didn't ever see Amistad. Okay, so so whiskey was not did not appear. Well, I'm sorry, I got to interrupt you one second. Oh. I mean, we brought up slavery, and it's a terrible thing. But I, I just need to focus on one of my pet peeves of it, and that's Spain. You know, we have a lot to answer for as a continent and as a country when it comes to slavery. The country of Spain, and I'll throw Portugal in there as well, created slavery in North and South America. They brought probably six million slaves over. Spain did four million slaves. Portugal put into Brazil, and nobody talks about them. They sit there eating tapas, drinking their wine in Barcelona, while we have to sort out the fallout of that hard institution that they created to steal all the gold and resources out of the new world. And now they sit there and nobody brings them up. Now, I fully understand that America has inherited this problem. They perpetuated, they allowed Jim Crow and the, the terrible segregation time period to, to exist. And they have to take ownership of that and they have to, they have to continue to move forward productively. But God damn it, I'm so freaking pissed off that Spain just sits there after creating this shitstorm of a chapter in history and nobody mentions their country's name. You know, and I think I think you're right that also Portugal gets off scot-free. Scot-free. They were a, 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 Four a, million slaves into Brazil alone by Portugal. They were- Four million people. They were an enormous sea power right. at the time and an economic power because they, mm-hmm. they went all along Africa, all up around the other side. China. To Japan and China and made outposts exactly. all along there. And they, they set up a network of, yeah. of trade yeah. that was uh, unparalleled mm-hmm. in the world. And yep. because um, there was like a huge tsunami or something destroyed Lisbon and everything. And they yep. fell from the pinnacle of the sea powers and uh, everyone forgets about them. Yeah, they were one of the first one. Portugal is one of the first countries to explore. And, and the first explorers that discovered South America and the first route to Africa, like da Gama and uh, Bartolomeu Diaz, mm-hmm. these are the early explorers that kind of paved the way for exploration. They were all Portuguese. So you're right, Scott. Yeah. So I apologize for that rant, but it had to be said. No, So back to America. Yeah, so uh, uh, rum was everywhere and whiskey was not. But a smaller revolution was taking shape as the Scotch-Irish immigrants were coming to America in huge numbers in the years leading up to the Revolutionary War. And they brought with them not only their love for whiskey, Mm. um, as we talked about on the previous podcast, but also their hatred for the monarchy and its taxation of their drink, which would become key. Uh, Stay tuned. Uh, Barley, the grain that they used to make their whiskey in their homeland, was not abundant in America. True. Um, So different grains had to be used to make the whiskey. Corn and 
and rye in particular. And so, as tensions increased with England and England's naval blockade tightened, preventing us from importing the molasses to make the rum and thereby ending the rum triangle, mm. whiskey began to take on sort of a patriotic essence. And unlike wine, coffee, brandy, and the rum, which were imported and heavily taxed, whiskey was freely available and untaxed. An American drink made for Americans by Americans. Right. So tobacco and whiskey kind of became two of the homegrown products. Right. Tobacco So well. it didn't take us long in our history to develop stuff that was bad for us. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a cigarette and a whiskey. Yeah. There you go. Revolution. Let's go to war. Yeah. So just to quickly graze through the American Revolution, independence, as everybody knows, was declared in 1776. General Corlin Wallace of the British uh, Army surrendered to George Washington at Yorktown, Virginia in 1871. Scott just jumped, Scott jumped over a lot of history yeah. there, just so you know. Yeah, a lot of history. In 1781, Treaty of Paris uh, made it all official, was signed in 1783, and George Washington was elected president in 1789. And that's when the trouble began. Oh, yeah. In 1791, Treasury Secretary Alexander Hamilton, who has his own musical. Wildly successful. I, I think. I've never seen it because it's like 500 fucking dollars a ticket. And you can't get it anyway. You can't. You can't get it. It's stupid. It can't be that good. It's, it's actually, I've heard the soundtrack. It's amazing, actually. It's very talented. But is it is it $500 good? It's, no, like, a, it's like a whiskey that you've had one sip of, yeah. and you're like, oh, that's really good. How much is it? It's $700 a bottle. Yeah, fuck that. It's actually very good. It's not $500 a ticket good, but it's very good. Do you know, once again, this is why I'm not a creative genius, because if someone said, listen, it's 2018, we're going to do a revolutionary and colonial time period based musical mm -hmm. on the founding fathers, yep. and we're going to make everybody black and we're going to do it in a hip-hop theme i'd be like get the hell out of my office like, yeah that's the worst idea ever right. and yet yeah. bam yeah. there's the most successful musical of the last 10 years yeah. right no, it's no, crazy I, I, uh, don't get me wrong i want to see it yeah. i just don't want to pay i want to see it too yeah so hamilton uh, decided that it would be a good idea to tax distilled spirits to pay for america's war debts distillers of course immediately resisted decrying it as disproportionately affecting the poor warned of what we'd today call the slippery slope of taxation on everything that we eat, drink, and wear, and demanded the repeal of the tax. Hamilton, I, it's fair to say this, that he was a little bit of a dick and kind of rigid in his beliefs. He was a very smart man, and um, he saw the big picture on things. But I will tell you right now that Thomas Jefferson did not like him. They no. did not get along they at not. all. Nope. Um, he talked down to Jefferson a lot, like he was some country farmer and Jefferson did not care for because Jefferson, for all his faults, was a very intelligent man with a tremendous curiosity and he was very well read. So Hamilton was a federalist. Mm -hmm. uh, his plan was to take on the debt of all the colonies after the Revolutionary War because by owing a lot of money, it would give credence to the economy, if you will. And Jefferson's like, that's the stupidest idea I ever heard. And he's like, why should the southern states own the debt of the northern states? And so they never really got along. Well, um, Jefferson's running mate and eventual vice president was Aaron Burr, who right. ended up killing Alexander Hamilton in a duel. Yes. So it's safe to say that Aaron Burr liked Hamilton even less than Jefferson did. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so um, the distillers didn't like it. And when Alexander Hamilton instituted the tax. So most of the objectors were our friends, the Scotch-Irish, who had just emigrated from the British Isles. So things came to a head in 1794. After the repeal efforts failed, a group calling themselves the Whiskey Boys set fire to tax collectors' homes, tarred and feathered tax officers, and basically destroyed anything owned by anyone who proved of or even complied with the tax. They even went so far as to take over the city 
of Pittsburgh. Whiskey Boys is the name of Scott and I's musical that we're working on right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Jersey Boys, except with whiskey. All right, Jefferson Reserve. Uh, um, no, we're, we're oh. still in. We're still right. in the history. History. Um, Wait, was the last thing you said? It was the Whiskey Boys. They, they. This was the Whiskey Rebellion. The Whiskey Rebellion, right? Yeah. So George Washington wasn't going to let this shit happen. So he, he's a badass. Yeah, he called out the militia. I'm not going to let this shit happen. Yeah, that was that was George Washington. You heard him from beyond the grave. Uh, we have had some whiskey tonight. We've we've had some whiskey. All right. So well, listen, we're not. It's not. That's not it. We're just being stupid right now. Well, but that too. I have to say one thing about George Washington. You have to understand this. In the time period he lived, he was a rock star. Oh, he God, walked, yeah. If he walked into a room, Ben Franklin and Adams and Jefferson would trip over themselves to go talk to him. Well, like, he was also like statuesque, right? Wasn't six he like 6'4"? No, he's 6'2", six 6'3", six in that range. Oh, I'm taller than him then. Right, but he's very big for the time period. I mean, if you go down to the Constitution Center in Philadelphia, they have all the Founding Fathers that statues to really scale. Cool. It's really cool. If you've never, really cool. never got a chance to visit Philadelphia, they have a Constitution Center and they have all of the Founding Fathers statues in there. In you one. know what? And I'll take you over there because I work right across the street. So I will, right. I will buy will you a ticket. will give you a personal tour. Yeah. And we'll have a whiskey lunch. Just come on in. Yeah. But he is by far one of the tallest, if not the tallest, of the founding fathers. But like I said, he was immensely popular. Well, he's a smart guy too, right? Wasn't he? He Edu- was an intellectual. But he, he was educated for his time period. Sure. He had traveled a bit. I think he had actually traveled to the islands, ironically. The Caribbean islands? Mm-hmm. Where the slaves made the rum? Or yes, the, ironically, yes. Sorry, the molasses? He went to on a trip with his older brother. You put the ass in molasses. <laughs> We're so dumb. Um, so he called out the militia. The rebellion faltered, and many of the whiskey boys were captured, jailed, convicted of treason, and sentenced to death. Damn. However, what? ultimately, yeah. Washington, before he left office, pardoned them all. Oh, good, good move. I mean, the whiskey rebellion really went well for him. Because like, it, it could have gone really bad for him. There's a side note. Besides just being the immigrants and making whiskey, a lot of people who made the whiskey lived on the frontiers, and they found out that it was a lot easier to get some barrels of whiskey out of the tundra that is the wilderness than cartloads and cartloads of corn or rye or whatever. So that's the other thing. They were making what they thought they could make logistically, and yet they felt like they were being taxed. Like, so person A has a wagon of corn. I have a wagon of whiskey. I'm getting taxed. They're not. It's basically, in their mind, the same product, except I actually worked harder at mine, and yet I'm getting penalized. And, and I mean, whiskey was worth more, too. Right. You could transport a lot more whiskey from the corn than you could actually the corn. This is why they did it, right? Yeah, this is why they did it. Uh, So George Washington, after he left the presidency in 1797, he retired to Mount Vernon and hired a Scottish plantation manager, James Anderson, who noticed that the estate had three important things. An abundance of rye, which was just being used as a cover crop. And then like thrown away, right? Yeah. A state-of-the-art mill and an abundant water supply. And he proposed to Washington and say, hey, why don't we just make some whiskey? <laughs> yeah. And so they did. Uh, from two pot stills in the estate's cooperage, the product was so successful that Washington had a full-fledged distillery built with five stills. Um, and it finished construction in uh, a year later in 1798. By the next year, in 1799, the distillery was able to produce 11,000 gallons of the clear, unaged liquid, which was how it was done at the time, often flavored with persimmons and cinnamon, oddly enough. It's like the world's first fireball. <laughs> Fireball is refreshing. All the, all the- Listen, fireball is like the Coors Light of whiskey. It's not whiskey, but 
hey, every now and then a shot's kind of refreshing, kind of clears your throat. All the basic college students were all like, yeah, fireball, let's do it. It's like the modern generation's Jägermeister. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. The kids drink Jägermeister. I see it in the in the bars sometimes, upside do down. Do kids drink it now? I mean, they have like the Jäger. I feel like, like fireball is probably their drink. Well, it's very, well, I know that girls drink rum chata with fireball. Rum chata, yeah. In fact, yeah. the night that me and Scott got annihilated, Scott more so, at the Anglesey Pub, <laughs> the girls that we were with that night were drinking uh, they were drinking the rum chata. chata and fireball. Yeah. That's what they were drinking. Yeah. Um. So uh, they sold those 11,000 gallons for $7,500, which back then, I mean, it doesn't sound like much, that much now, but back then, that was a half a million dollars in t- today's money. Uh, unfortunately, George Washington died that same year, 1799. He Of alcoholism. <laughs> Uh, that's not true i made that up uh, yeah you did it's fake news he left it to his nephew who unfortunately didn't have the same uh business acumen as his uncle did the distillery languished under the nephew's uh control and then a fire burned it down in 1814 and was never rebuilt so uh fast forward to 2007 which is a lot of history a new distillery was constructed on mount vernon estate and was open to the public and you can buy their new rye whiskey that's made according to George Washington's original recipe, but only if you visit. Because that would have been amazing to have here. Right. They have three expressions. They have the raw, clear, moonshine level whiskey. They have a two-year aged whiskey. And they have a four-year aged whiskey. And I'm going to tell you what the prices are. Now, first of all. Brace yourself for this. Yeah. The, these, yeah, you better sit down. These are half bottles. 375 milliliters. The unaged is $98. <laughs> Gotta taste like ass. Next. The, the two year is $188. For basically redemption rye. Go. The four year is $225. A 375 milliliter bottle. Which means if it was a fifth, what would it cost? $550. I'm sorry. $550. As if it's sorry, like. No, no. $450. $450. Even so, $450 for a four year aged rye whiskey. Now, right now, for that, we could get four. Almost five bottles of Angel Envy Rye, or Shit, we, we could, could at least get a. We're almost there to a Boss Hog Whistle Pig. We could get ten bottles of the one point seven five liter of Bullet Rye, which we enjoy. So we I, could I, make fifty million cocktails out of it. Right. That. So we're actually being raped by the corpse of <laughs> George Washington. Hundreds of years after he's expired by whoever is perpetuating this incredible fraud in his name. Wait, I think I hear George Washington from beyond the grave. D's oh, nuts. I'm going to break you with my wooden teeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Dude, I wonder if I had a wooden phallus, too. Oh, shit. The first dildo. Yes, Martha. <laughs> He wait, when he, wait when, when he banged out with Martha, did he ever be like, hey, here comes the Washington Monument? <laughs> here it comes. Oh, no. Okay, so after Washington, John Adams was president, and he was uh, perfectly willing to continue Washington and Hamilton's Federalist fiscal policies, but Thomas Jefferson was not. He didn't play that. Uh, elected in 1801, he immediately worked to diminish Hamilton's influence on the federal government, including the repeal of the whiskey tax in 1802. This had, of course, unintended consequences. Unintended. So, so for the man, Jefferson, who was quoted as saying that he never partook of whiskey or quote unquote ardent spirits he was more of a wine guy i guess the french he loved uh, the french he was french ambassador loved the french right french ambassador at one point oh he's secretary of state and he liked the french oh right yep. secretary of state. and uh whiskey became even more popular than ever because it wasn't taxed 
Well, this prompted a century-long backlash, ultimately culminating in the temperance movement and the dreaded prohibition. And, you know, if it seems I'm glossing over a lot of history, I am, because we'll probably do a bunch of podcasts about prohibition separately. That's another day. In any case, it's ironic that today, Jefferson, who didn't even like whiskey, has a whole line of whiskeys named after him, and Washington, is uh, his corpse is raping us. Right. From beyond the grave. From beyond the grave. <laughs> Damn right. We've been drinking, let's see, uh, about a half a bottle so far in the last hour. Um, Okay, there are three of us this time, so it's not so bad. uh, I feel like- Jeff is probably not drinking as much as we are. pitching in like as much as he should be, but- (laughs) (laughs) Jeff has a very distinct, delicious tasting glass. We just haven't upgraded him to a tumbler, that's all. Right. No, he, he said he preferred to drink it neat. And and he is. And I am drinking mine neat. I'm the one, previous I'm one, one who likes I drank it on the rocks. I like mine on the rocks. I, I like, actually like this one both ways. And I'll tell you why. So when I pour a nice hefty Ed Pour bourbon on the rocks, which is about three ounces, I would imagine. Half a glass. Four ounces, okay. Um a double. A, tri- a, a, a double. A God's honest American double. I mean, can we have that once in a while? It's fair. With about three normal cubes. Now I like how the drink changes with ice throughout the process. Now, I understand drinking the pure form neat. That's a whole other way to go, and I respect that. But I always like to have a little bit of ice involved because, to me, every sip is a little different. I taste some new stuff. I don't always taste what all the, the characters online taste from these mm-hmm. stuff. I don't – the never, notes of yeah. clove and yeah. the, the dragon tears and whatever else that they're tasting in these whiskeys. Yeah, we talked but, about this before. Like, I don't know how these people taste these things. I mean, uh, I go corn and vanilla and caramel and then everything after that's a crapshoot to be yeah. perfectly honest. I've tasted Band-Aids and bananas <laughs> and rubber and uh, grass. But uh, that's that's yeah that and the vanilla caramel maple syrup uh, triangular loveliness. Uh, other I, I don't know how else to now, describe things. Jefferson Bourbon, the company has been around since about 1997, and they're very interesting to me. And Scott and I have talked about this at length. As far as they are not so much as a creator as they are of a sourcer. They go out into the marketplace and they find different mash bills and they bring them back to their plant and they barrel. And they age, and then they proof it down to where they want it. It is a very interesting thing, because I think a lot of people think that every distillery makes their own brand, barrels their own stuff, ages it down, they put it in the bottles, and then they send it out to the market. And that's just not how the whiskey works. After being around for a while, they did go out and acquire Kentucky Artisan Distillery. And that's where 25% of their bourbon comes from. 75% are produced by independent distilleries. We have no idea who. They won't tell us. And so I got to believe that their MGP is part of that. I mean, I can't believe they don't get some of the stuff from MGP. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Somebody just hit you up. Yeah. So... The um, it's actually uh, one of my major Berman contacts. I'm sure. I think it's Diageo calling me back saying thanks for loving their product. The um, regards to what we're drinking tonight, which is the Jefferson Reserve. Fifty percent of it is a 15 year aged bourbon mash bill that nice. they that they have. Yeah, if, if 15 years, you're starting to get to the point where they're just going to taste like wood. Right now, 
What I like about it is they, they then take three different bourbon mash bills of different age and they blend it together into what we're drinking tonight. And I like the concept of it. I do. I mean, this is legitimately different. And it's getting than, better, by the way, as I drink it, as the ice melts, as the flavors come alive. And I'm, drinking, I'm liking it more and more. Yeah. And I'm drinking it neat. And um, I'm noticing different things every time I taste it. Uh, I really, I'm enjoying this very much. <laughs> Jeff, what do you think? I love it. And I am not a bourbon aficionado. I'm a bourbon virgin. No, (laughs) I would say a novice. Novice? Yeah. Yeah. You've drank bourbon with us before. Yeah. You take this and you smell it. Nose is fantastic. It's very nice. And you get punched right in the face by butterscotch. Oh, nice. Do you smell butterscotch? I don't, but you're drinking out of a a special glass. So maybe, let me smell your glass. (laughs) Glass. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, holy crap. It does smell like butterscotch. Wow, it really does. What's the name of this glass? I don't know. It's like, it's like a honeypot shape. It's like with a flared. It's like a f- is it New Orleans? No, no, that's not the a New Orleans glass. It's a spittoon shape. It is a spittoon shape. It's a ver- right, for the uh, listeners, the glass that Jeff is using is in a perfect shape of a spittoon for those who like old Western movies. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Absolutely, it's it's rounded with a with a, a tapered in neck, but then a flared out top. But I've been drinking it neat all night, and every flavor, whether it's vanilla or even the butterscotch, comes through. Yeah, but yeah. I'm gonna go out probably tomorrow and buy a bottle. Really? Wow, oh. nice. Yes, I'm enjo- I'm definitely enjoying it, but it's so amazing. So. Uh, stay tuned for a whiskey short about does your glassware matter? Apparently it does. Pretty interesting. And the, um, to continue with what we're saying about Jefferson's bourbon, they're very creative there. And you know, I'm not much of a wine drinker, but the wines that I did enjoy, and I do enjoy because I do drink some wine sometimes, I like the Meritages. I like when they blend two or three batches of wine together to make a new flavor. Oh, Meritage, aren't yeah, you fancy? I do. I like the Meritage and, uh, and the, and the concept of a Zinfandel and oh, things Zinfandel, like that. aren't you fancy? So Meritage was fancy. I'll give that but, but <laughs> i don't so, know anything about wine uh, the, the first, Pinot Noir, the first like. wine that i really drank a lot of was a wine called uh, menage a trois and uh <laughs> it was three different wines brought together thus the name and uh so you know yeah i often like to drink it while i'm having menage a trois it's like menage a little, ir- little irony there yeah menage a trois so um apparently jeff just informed us today that uh we're uh, the whiskey tangent Twitter feed is being followed by uh, a threesome group. Woo-hoo. Oh yeah, okay. Hey, yeah, so whatever whatever floats your boat between they, consenting. They tried to pin that on me. Adults. Somehow they tried to pin that on me, but I don't. I don't remember liking them. But I did go on a like fest because that's what you do on Twitter. You try to like a thousand people and get like a hundred of them to like right. you back. So downloaded some uh, Jeopardy style questions on whiskey that he brought along today while he's hanging out with us to see how how Scott and I would answer them. So we're gonna play a little whiskey Jeopardy. From Blackwood, New Jersey, (laughs) we have Scott and Ed locking horns to determine who is the better whiskey aficionado. It's me. Spelled E-D. E-D. (laughs) And and if it sounds like we're far away, we are because we only have two microphones. It's still, this is stupid. We have to get another microphone. Yeah. Okay, the categories we're going over tonight are famous whiskey drinkers. Whiskey is the answer, where the word whiskey is in the answer. 
And that's it. <laughs> we really don't have two categories. time for more than two categories. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Our attention span is not what it used to be. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Jeff. So here we're going to start with our first category, famous whiskey drinkers. And you guys could just going to chime in. Yeah. Okay. 100 points. Incredulously, this That 70s Show album is the spokesperson for Jim Bean. My no, uh, Scott got it. Scott gets the points. Famous whiskey drinkers for 200. Mr. Clemens used whiskey to dull a toothache, but it's no wonder that Tom Sawyer didn't have a shot with Huckleberry Finn. Mark Twain? That is correct. Whiskey drinkers for 400. Do we have to do it in the form of a question? You do. Okay. Okay. I don't think either of us did. That's what I'm asking. Who was Mark Twain? Who is my lacunas? All right, good. This seventh president of the United States was an avid whiskey drinker. Oh, no fair. And recommended bath. Andrew Jackson. You did not uh, say. You did not answer in the form of a question. (laughs) Who is Andrew Jackson? Correct. Damn it. Okay, whiskey drinkers for 500. This posh footballer gives his celebrity endorsement. Who is David Beckham? That is correct. Oh, damn it. Posh boys, yeah. He endorses Hay Club Scotch Whiskey. Whiskey drinkers for 1,000. Hey, Norton. This great one, not Wayne Gretzky, kept a cup of scotch on the set of his live 50s comedy show to have a drink on live TV. Who was Jackie Gleason? Excellent, excellent. All right, so... One of my all-time favorites. I don't think I have the points right. It's fine. At this point, it doesn't matter. It's going to be whoever won answered the most questions to talk crap the rest of the week. <laughs> <laughs> this former Secretary of State probably had plenty of her favorite crown royal after Donald Trump won the 2016 election. Who is Hillary Clinton? That is correct. When this Robin Hood star was prevented from drinking Johnny Walker on set, he injected vodka into an orange so he could have his alcohol... Who is Errol Flynn? That is correct. Holy shit. Is that true? That's awesome. Errol Flynn, man. One of a kind. He actually put cocaine on the tips of his penis as well. <laughs> he didn't, did he? How do you know that is the question. I, well, you don't forget stuff like that. <laughs> or two. Well, that's true. Once you hear that, you know, I'm, I'll never I'll forget never it. forget that now. <laughs> I just watched Robin Hood two nights ago. That's all I could think about. Man, if I had some cocaine right now, I'd put it right into my cock. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Mm. Maybe, maybe it was to make his girlfriend's lips numb. We have no idea. Maybe she had a toothache. <laughs> You put whiskey it's on a, the end of it. It's a creative cure for a toothache. This famous comedian of the 1930s once said that by 1947, he drank two quarts of I.W. Harper whiskey a day. Who was W.C. Fields? That is correct. Oh. By the way, if you're listening out there, that was the tough one. Oh, I was. <laughs> <laughs> when he said I.W. Weller just kicked off W.C. Fields, I was like. Nah, it can't be that. It has to be. He was was the star of that era. It's a mid-May West. Another side note, his favorite saying was, always carry a flagon of whiskey in case of a snake bite. And furthermore, always carry a small snake. (laughs) (laughs) Furthermore. I've seen that one. Yeah, it's a good one. And furthermore, always carry a small snake. Yeah, shame. Ah. I don't know why (laughs) That's the way he talked today. I don't think that's how he talked. Sure he did. Oh, wise guy. Always, wise guy. Yeah. Always cracking foxy over there. <laughs> cracking foxy? Is that what you said? Yeah. 
I love it. How did like all the extras from the Three Stooges movies just so Because we've seen them all. Yeah. Okay. This famous nightclub in West Hollywood. What is Whiskey Go Go? That is correct. Okay. ABC CIA drama starring Lauren Cohan of Walking Dead fame. Oh, it's oh, new. It's, um, yeah, it's a new one. I don't want cable, but I've oh. seen it. Um, oh, um, what, oh. is, what is. What uh, is. Oh. What is Whiskey? Uh, what is Whiskey? Uh, what, what is Whiskey Tango? No. Uh, what is whiskey or <laughs> How many times do we get to answer? <laughs> if you're very flippant about something, you're very. Oh, God. Um, if you're uncaring about something, oh. you're. Cavalier? Yeah. Whiskey Cavalier! She certainly deserved no credit for that answer. <laughs> no, there, there's too many hints. Okay, in military alphabet, it's WTF. What is Whiskey Tango Foxtrot? That is correct. Which stands for what the fuck, I believe. Right. A half credit then? Okay, oh, no, for... I didn't say what is what the fuck. <laughs> this one's maybe easy as well. It depends. We're the right crowd here. <laughs> Whiskey okay. is the answer. This Doors song begins, Oh, show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Uh, the Alabama song? That is correct. Although Whiskey was not in that. Okay, it was a revolt of settlers in western Pennsylvania in 1794. What is the Risky Rebellion? That's correct. You gave it to me. I gave it to Scott because he worked so hard preparing notes, I couldn't take it from him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, that's all I have. Oh, that's all you have. Okay, and the final score is uh, Ed had four, and um, I had eight. That's not true. (laughs) Well, some of them we didn't answer. Some of them we both got wrong. You gave me the Whiskey whiskey Rebellion one. Right. The only one you really beat me on was the Kunis one. Also, you had the right answer on one of them. You just didn't put it in the form of a question, which was the Andrew Jackson, which I could never remember. I know the president's up to six, which is John Quincy Adams, right? And I can never remember the next one after that. Oh. But now I know. I know you know. Uh, I'm probably. not in order anymore. I used uh, to, but you know, so much else clogs into your memory. Yeah. All right, we're good. All right, yeah, that was fun. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. You're welcome. Jeff's also done some research. I was wondering if Jeff could tell us about the bourbon called Jefferson's Ocean. So Jefferson's creator's name is uh, Trey Zeller, I believe. And what they've done is they're trying all kinds of different things with the uh, maturation of their bourbon. And one thing is they're taking barrels and they're putting them aboard ship. And this ship is then traveling for months from different ports of call, from New Orleans to New York. And in a 12-month journey... It goes around the world, right? Does it go through, like, uh, I saw a map, like, does it go through uh, the Panama Canal and go, like, to Asia? stickers on all the barrels for where we go, like, mag- <laughs> like, like refrigerator magnets on the barrel? <laughs> so anyway, the thought is that the bourbon takes on many new characteristics from the undulation of the ocean. Ooh. You like that word? I do. I do. It's a good word. Mm. Undulation. Undulation. All you threesome followers out there. (laughs) (laughs) We can do that. What's that? What's that? uh, That thing where they talk really soft into things. Oh, that's B R S M. Yeah, A S M R. -R. Something like that to say. Undulation. 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 (laughs) 
Stop that. Cut all that. <laughs> That'll be a great podcast. We'll just do a whiskey short of just whiskey words. Undulation. <laughs> Threesome. <laughs> Menage a trois. The more I drink, the more I wheeze. <laughs> so these ships with the barrels of uh, Kentucky bourbon loaded aboard, they're crossing different time zones. They're crossing the equator. So it's different temperatures. I would imagine slightly different pressures on yeah. the barrels. So Yeah, and it's like you said, the, the, the sloshing around of inside the barrel, it's sort of getting more uh, contact with the barrel staves that uh, have been charred. Does it say if it's their just their regular Jefferson that they're putting in these barrels and sending them in the ocean, or is it something special that they're doing? I think that's... The it's just that the regular stuff yeah. and they're just doing it on the ocean and seeing what happens. Yeah. So I'm dying to know what this tastes yeah. like. I've actually tasted it and I don't remember it being particularly remarkable, but it was just a single taste. I don't know that the bourbon knew it was at sea in a cool story in a boat. I think it just thought it was in a barrel. Like, I mean, it's still bourbon in a well, barrel. It's, it's bourbon, so it probably didn't think anything. Don't you condescend me, motherfucker. <laughs> you can talk into this one. <laughs> talk into this one. You're closer to this one. I'll talk wherever I goddamn please. I'm almost at the point where I'm getting belligerent. You are belligerent. That's Don't you tell me what I am? <laughs> oh, my God. We are special tonight. We're special tonight. This I am, anyway. Uh, I am loving this Jefferson's Reserve. It's a very... It's, it's it, terrific. It and really it, okay. you. Okay, so now... No, wait, 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 for the record. Okay. I mean, it's about $60 a bottle. I mean, unless you're living larger than me... Oh, I'll take a little bit more. Thank you if you're pouring. Unless you're living larger than me, this isn't an everyday bourbon, you know? When we when we talk about the fact that we can get a bullet rye for half the price of this, but you no, know, yeah. for what they do, they put out a lot of nice expressions. They work really hard, and they're a fun company. They're a group that I'm glad that we have in the industry. Yeah, so we like to talk about the economical side of like you're going to the liquor store. Which ones do you want to try that's not going to you know break your bank? This one's you know it's a little bit more expensive than the ones that we usually recommend, but even at sixty dollars, I would highly recommend this. This is a, an extremely good tasting bourbon, and if you're willing to spend fifty. You're willing to spend ten more dollars for something that right. tastes this good. is upwards of the Blanton category, and what we mean by that is it has an extra layer of flavor. It isn't overly sweet. It is not overly. It's sweet. not. No. It it must have a decent rye count, as far as I can tell. Though they mash bill is proprietary, mm. and they don't really break down what exactly it is. That's unfortunate, but yeah, I, I would agree it. with you. It technically uh, satisfies the criteria to be a bourbon, but it must be a high rye because it just is not that sweet. I agree. If I found it in a bar somewhere, I'd be happy to order it. Oh, absolutely. A glass, probably what, it's 16? A, probably glass? 15 a glass. It's worth it. It came in a beautiful canister. A uh, sort of oval, cylindrical yeah. shape, mm -hmm. and it's got relief yep. of uh, the Jefferson's side head. profile yep. Jefferson that's on the nickel mm -hmm. in a copper a frame. Yep. It's a very nice. And the bottle itself is beautiful. So if you have someone that is graduating or got a promotion and you need to bring them something and you want to give them something special, the Jefferson Reserve is an outstanding choice. Yeah, agreed. It makes a nice gift. I'm a big, nice. big Ben Franklin fan, but if I had a chance to have a conversation with Jefferson, I would consider that pretty special. I really enjoyed talking about the revolution on July 4th. Happy Independence Day, everybody. Right. Please go get a cheeseburger and a hot dog. You're allowed both today. It's a day to drink also some rum. Get some Gosling's rum and Dark and Stormy's going early in the day and then finish up with a nice bourbon or rye whiskey after dinner. Good we advice. thank Jeff for being here. Been great to have you here. Whiskey Tangent Podcast signing off. See you next time. Later. Later.
If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to check out our next episode, which is way better than this one. Oh, yeah. Also, follow and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash whiskey tangent. And follow us on Twitter at whiskey tangent. You can follow me personally at that whiskey guy. And follow Scott at Giant Cup of Awesome, spelled A-W-S-U-M, just to be annoying. Hey! You can email us any questions, comments, or love at whiskeytangent at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us always at our podcast website, whiskeytangent.podbean.com.